Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OsteoCast, your functional anatomy and osteopathic podcast. Your hosts, myself, Sarah, Amanda, and Colby. Hello. How's everybody doing today? So we are coming at you today with the fun topic of the jaw. As you may know, your clients will walk into your office saying, I have TMJ. So this is where we can educate them a little bit on what the word TMJ actually means and perhaps what that diagnosis they might be given by their doctor or told by their uh, other healthcare provider um, can mean. Before we jump into the topic of the day, we just want to do a little announcement and let you know that as summer is becoming very busy for all of us, as you all know, we are going to take a little hiatus from the podcast uh, for the remainder of summer, but we will be back with fresh content, fresh ideas in the fall for you guys. So I just wanted to let you know if you can't find your uh, OsteoCast podcast to listen to through the month of August, but go back and listen to it from the beginning. Every time you listen through, you'll get new ideas, uh, pick up on new thought patterns and new ways of thinking through the osteopathic process. Perfect. We apologize for that, but uh, we got one podcast member moving to a new city and I got my whole house ripped apart. I'm living in a bedroom because we're doing a renovation. So. <laughs> We're just trying to make the best of it without uh, ruining the podcast for you guys. So we will see you guys in the fall. I'm sure construction noise in the background wouldn't be that bad, would it? <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> just kidding. I live in Toronto, so that's all we hear here. Until, until you um, leave Toronto. But yeah, thanks, Colby. I yeah, I am moving to Stratford. So I am moving my Scarborough practice to Stratford, although... I don't expect my clients to follow me. That's a little bit far. (laughs) Uh, So I will be restarting my practice in Stratford. So if you have any friends or family that are looking uh, for an osteopathic practitioner, I would love it if you could send them my way or at least share the information along. That would be amazing. And that's smtosteopath.com. Perfect. All right. So let's get into the topic of the day. TMJ, temporal mandibular joint. Uh, so it is, I find it very uh, common that clients will come in and tell you they have TMJ. Um, you know, they don't use the word dysfunction or pain in the TMJ. They just think it's a a problem to have a TMJ. So it's a great time to educate your clients on what that what TMJ means, what the acronym stands for, and different ways they could describe um, problems they're having with their jaw, pain they're having with their jaw to let their healthcare practitioners know what is happening. So let's start from the beginning. Is there any um, initial considerations, any red flags you guys look out for when it comes to someone coming in with jaw pain? One of the first things that I always do when someone has, especially just on like their health history intake, saying that they have TMJ disorder is have a discussion to see if it's a self-diagnosed or if they've actually had some level of assessment and or imaging through the dentist or uh, someone else ortho related. Uh, just to get an idea of the severity of the the disorder and to ask, of course, uh, like, is it locking? What kind of pain is there in the jaw? What kind of movement uh, 
capabilities there are and kind of get an understanding for what's going on with it. And based on that understanding, that may drive some different red flags if they're having some severe jaw pain and they've not seen uh, the dentist or the jaw specialist, I always will refer out so they can start at that point because sometimes um, that's the first step that needs to be taken as far as uh, assessment and imaging and diagnosis goes. And then outside of that, I don't have a ton of major red flags besides the standard red flags um, that you'd have with every patient for their overall health. Yeah, I would agree with that. I um, would always say that you need to have that checked prior to um, getting assessment and treat treatment from your from one of us or an osteopath or another person, um, especially if you are having some other sensations along with that, um, besides just pain. Um, but I also find that a lot of the time, like Sarah had kind of mentioned previously, is people come in and they're like, oh, I have TMJ. And it is a lot of self-diagnosis or just an understanding that there's kind of pain in that area. Um, and so TMJ actually stands for temporomandibular joint. So it's just the classification of the, or the name of the joint. Um, and so understanding if there is some dysfunction in the joint or if there is something that's showing up on imaging is, is very important, um, prior to, to assessment and treatment in that area. Totally. So when it comes to, uh, treatment considerations, um, when we're looking at the jaw, of course, we want to take a look at, um, as we do osteopathically, what, how is the whole body presenting, um, what could be creating these change patterns or these uh, pulls through the jawline, through the anterior cervical fascia, anterior cervical uh, musculature, as well looking at the joint itself. So figuring out if the joint itself is sitting a bit translated to one side, if it's compressed or a little too decompressed, oftentimes it's much more compressed. Um, and really actually checking the joint itself and thinking about what comes into play with that uh, temporal mandibular joint. So how is the OA moving? How are the other cranial structures around uh, that joint moving with it? And even checking through the uh, zygomas, I find too, makes a big difference because you will start to see some asymmetry happening through the face, um, especially if there is some pretty severe jaw dysfunction. Uh, and of course, a time where we have to wear a mask, sometimes it's a good idea to have the client pull their mask down and just watch how they open and close their jaw so you can start to visualize how that joint is moving um, with function, so with motion. Yeah, so the one thing with the jaw, when I look at it and think about it is I find that it's very similar, um, obviously completely different structure and how it moves, but to the uh, scapula, because it just has its one bony attachment at the condyle of the mandible into the skull. Um, there is a disc in there and, and how it pivots, it doesn't just pivot um, proper like a hinge joint. It does have a little bit of glide forward and backward side to side because it's not a very stable joint, which is why sometimes you'll see like a dislocated jaw or something like that. But I find because it is completely surrounded and floating basically in muscular tissue that when you're looking at, at some level of jaw dysfunction, uh, very specifically at the jaw, it's making sure that all of the tensions, as Sarah's mentioned, the anterior fascia, the tissues from the, the base of the skull, the tissues from the neck, the tissues from the face, that everything has some level of balance and there's not anything in extreme dysfunction. And if there is something pulling quite heavily or in dysfunction, then you have to take a step back and say, well, why is that doing that? 
what is the neurology that controls that and what forces would guide that. And then going through the assessment, as Sarah was saying, with some of the cranial bones as well as the neck to make sure that things are moving and looking as well as they can. As far as assessing that particular area, um, really you're looking for the overall range. So how far the, the mouth can open up. And then you can also look at the, the other things as if the jaw drops straight down when it opens or goes side to side, can the patient move the jaw side to side and forward and back without any limitations and seeing any sort of dysfunction or limitations in those areas should give you some clues as far as kind of which rabbit hole to go down to help it. But I think the biggest thing, as Sarah was saying with the TMJ is making sure that the load from the body. So from like the chest cavity and from the neck is, is doing as best as it can or is in the best shape that it can do. And that will really free a lot of the movement capacity for the jaw as well. I think too, when clients come in, they are often so set on, oh, my pain is here. You have to treat that. And so when you have this conversation with them about how like head carriage can make a huge difference in how your jaw is feeling um, or how it's moving in the capacity that it has, um, clients I've found anyways are often frustrated. They're like, but you're not treating that specific thing right now. And it's like, yeah, but if we don't open up those tissues on the front line and into the chest cavity, like you said, or get the scapulas moving well, those things actually feed into what your head and your neck are doing and how that posture and that movement capacity is. So without clearing that stuff up first, you're not going to get that lasting change and you're not going to see um, relief from the pain. And more times than not, I would say I can clean that stuff up in, in treatments or in however long that takes. And patients always report a decrease in jaw pain. And then there's only a little bit left to clean up, generally speaking, in the jaw. Because like you said, Colby, it is an unstable jaw or it is an unstable joint. And so making sure that you're opening up blood supply, um, drainage, lymphatic drainage, and then making sure that there's proper nervous signaling will always, your body will heal itself. Exactly. Which at the end of the day is what osteopathy is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole deal. Exactly. And I think that when you, if you, exactly. Yep. And if you haven't looked at a picture um, of anatomy or if it interests you, like the supra and infrahyoid muscles play a huge part in how they connect into the jaw and the neck muscles. So Google a picture of it. It's super informative and just saying, holy, there's so much that contributes to that. And the nervous supply really comes from the upper cervical unit. So taking care of how the cervicals are moving is a huge part in making sure that the jaw has the right capability of motion. Absolutely. Um, another thing just to kind of throw in there is for, for some self-assessment perspective is you'll never diagnose a, like a TMJ disorder properly unless you see a specialist like a dentist or something to do so. Um, but I find a lot of people don't have issues with the jaw unless it's under load. So unless they're chewing certain foods. So sometimes what will happen if, if people aren't sure is I'll have them test it one by moving the jaw, but also um, they can take a, you can take a video if you're at home of you opening and closing your jaw and see if it veers to one side or the other. And the other thing you can pay attention to is if you uh, prefer to chew your food on one side of your mouth or not, because if you prefer to chew your food on one side of the mouth all the time, uh, try the other side. And if the other side has some level of discomfort or clicking or something associated with it, then you know that that jaw is not quite functioning as it should. And it would be ideal to, to have it assessed and have it looked at just to see if you can help it. Um, 
Another thing that I just want to mention really briefly with the jaw um, is how important the position of the jaw and position of the tongue is or tongue posture in breathing capacity. And then therefore, if your jaw is not in the right position or moving correctly, the tongue is not in the right position or moving correctly, then you'll also have a limitation in breathing, which can affect literally everything, but most importantly, probably your sleeping patterns and your ability to get good deep sleeps with high levels of air in and out of the body. I love that self-assessment you brought up, Colby, by looking in the mirror and seeing how your jaw is moving and what direction it's going in. Is it straight? Is it kind of going a little left, right, left, which is a common pattern I see in the clinic. But you can also self-assess by bringing your fingers uh, just in front of the ears. You'll be able to feel the temporal mandibular joint, the TMJ. And you can open and close your jaw and just see how that joint is opening and closing. And just see if that little divot there is symmetrical left and right, or if you have more space on one side versus the other, as Colby was saying, is it a bit more tender on one side? Um, So there's a lot you can do to play around with how your jaw is feeling. And I guess that goes back to Amanda's comment about everyone comes in with a self-diagnosis. That is how you would self-diagnose. But of course, you need to... um, not create a diagnosis for yourself, but just learn how to describe what is happening um, and leave the diagnosis up to the experts. Yeah. And then just to kind of round that off for practitioners, if you see some of this dysfunction, don't assume that it is only the jaw. Make sure that you go through and assess the other structures we've talked about and or treat those structures and then come back to the jaw. I wouldn't necessarily do any very specific work on the jaw until you've already gone through and made sure that the anterior chest, the neck, the shoulder blades are moving appropriately. Because if you take that tension off, the jaw very well may function appropriately on its own without needing any treatment itself. And jaw treatment can be a little bit uncomfortable and honestly not necessary if you can clear those other patterns. So as a practitioner, just make sure that you're considering that entire body, especially that chest cavity, neck, the shoulders, clearing that before you really dive into a jaw on its own. Well, I think that's a good uh, place for the jaw to sit at. I think that I think that for everybody, patients and practitioners, doing some self-assessment is a great idea. And if there's really something going on, make sure that you see a professional about it. Um, As far as other movement patterns or slight clicking or movement of the jaw, uh, reach out to your practitioner to see if they can help you out and make sure that some of these guidelines are followed just to make sure you have the most appropriate treatment. Um, But we appreciate you guys listening to us today. If you have any further questions on uh, TMJ or the jaw, or you'd like to hear more about it, shoot us a message at osteocast underscore on Instagram or osteocast on Facebook. And that way we can go through and record another podcast, maybe in a little bit more detail with some more anatomy for you, whichever you prefer. Again, just reiterating what we said at the start, we will be on a little bit of a hiatus for the remainder of the summer. Our lives have uh, have gotten very crazy and honestly limiting our time and locations to be able to record, but we're still available for you guys to reach out to. So if you have any questions in that time being, whether it's personal in your practice or for yourself as a person, please shoot us a message. We'd like to help. Otherwise, we will see you guys in the fall and we appreciate your support. And that's about it. So we'll talk to you guys soon. We'll see you in the fall. Thanks for listening. See you in the fall. Awesome. Bye.